Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Danny Kermay. I'm the pastor here at Bridge Community Church, and I had the privilege of being Larry's pastor. And, uh, and this morning, uh, we're going to celebrate his life. And I, I'm overjoyed to see everybody that's here. He would have loved this. He would have loved every bit of it. And, um, and I'm grateful. And um, Connie, you know, as we've been saying, and we're standing with you, that we know this has not been an easy time. Um, but when we come to today, uh, we come to a day of celebration because we know that where Larry is now, there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow, there's no more suffering. This is the hope of the believer. And um, these aren't just words that we, you know, kind of coach ourselves into happiness with. This is the bedrock of what we believed and what Larry believed. And, and so um, today, the thought of, of celebrating someone's passing can be kind of counterintuitive for us. Um, but the idea of celebration doesn't dismiss mourning and sorrow and grief. And so today's one of those days where you experience um, sorrow because of loss. Um, Greg and Brian, I can only imagine what you are experiencing in losing your dad. And, and even seeing some of the pictures, I have to comment on the, the very first one was probably the coolest picture I've ever seen in my life. With <laughs> I don't know if you remember, the, if the, the very first one, it'll come up. But it's, it's you guys as really little boys. And uh, Connie, all that long hair and those really cool thick rim glasses. It was a moment. There it is. Is that not the greatest picture ever? <clears throat> And, um, and it is amazing, it is amazing how, how time passes, and, um, and through the series of even seeing these pictures, you see the, the memories of the years, and those are things that, that we hold and things that we're grateful for. Um, but today is a day of loss, and it's a day of gain. It's a day of loss for us on this side of eternity, um, but it's a day of gain and a day that we celebrate the gain of being with the one that created Larry. And, uh, and when I think of, of heaven and when I think of the fullness of joy that's there, I think of a place, as I've already said, where there's no more tears or sorrow, but there's also no more disease. There's no more memory loss. There's no more difficulty that we experience on this side. And so I praise God for the grace that he gave you all in the season that you were in. Um, but I thank him now for the comfort that only the Holy Spirit can bring. And so I just wanted to open in a word of prayer. And, um, and after I pray, uh, we're going to have a, a time of, of singing. And uh, it's not just singing anything. It's singing hymns. Hymns were important to Larry and the depth of the words that were in them and the theology that was rich in them. And so this is a time for all of us to to worship together. But I'd like to pray and then I'll invite Greg and Anita to come up and lead us. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank and praise you for your goodness. I want to thank you, God, that you are the, the Lord of the universe. That you know all the days of our lives and they're written in a book before one of them came to be. And Lord, you hold the universe in your hands and that nothing is too difficult for you. And God, I pray that in this time you would bring the comforter to Connie. I pray you'd bring the comforter to Greg and to Brian and to their families. God, I pray that you would pour out the peace that passes understanding, that you would let it guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, today as we, as we both grieve and celebrate, Lord, that you would walk with us, that you'd be among us, that you'd be here in the room. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence and the power that comes with your presence. And we honor you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Greg, if you'd like to come and lead us in some hymns.
the uh, lyrics to the hymns should be up on the projection. I invite you to sing as you know them, sing as you don't, make a sound. Will you, let's, let's rise in body or in spirit, stand as you are able, and let's lift our voices and, and sing together. We'll start with I'll Fly Away. life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away to a star from prison bars that's flown. is worth 
Thank you. 
Son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he blessed.
Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Anita. This time I'd like to invite Brian to come and, and share some words. And as he prepares to come, I want to give you some time to think about some memories that you may have of Larry's. We'll have an opportunity for anyone um, with us today to share a story or a memory. So, um, Brian, would you come? I think calling it a eulogy is probably a little optimistic. But it's just a few uh, kind of things I remembered. Um, I remember our family vacations growing up, especially the time spent fishing and relaxing in the mountains of the western states, and especially my dad's and my native New Mexico. <clears throat> kind of on the counterpoint to vacation, I remember dad's work ethic. He always had a strong sense of what needed to be done and when, which was usually sooner rather than later. He worked as hard as anyone as I've ever seen in order to provide for us. I tend to procrastinate everything, including the notes I'm reading from now, but that tendency did not come from him. 
One night when I was in high school, um, I was pulling an all-nighter trying to write a term paper. Ended up struggling with the printer on our very early and very buggy computer. Uh, he ended up taking me down, this is about four in the morning or so, taking me down to the hospital where he worked in the pre-dawn hours so I could retype the whole thing on the PC there that was connected to a working printer while he was in the lab getting start on the day's work. He saved my grade for that class and was probably happy to get an early start on his own work. We had the procrastinator and the non-procrastinator working side by side. I remember his love of music, especially jazz, and his trying to pass his saxophone skills on to me. Limited success there. Um, we also got dragged to a lot of performing arts events when we were children, especially um, events like uh, Sunday afternoon community theater, orchestra concerts at the Hollywood Bowl, those sorts of things. Eventually it stopped being a chore and started being something I loved, and that love of music and the arts continues to this day. My brother just reminded me recently of a time a while back when we were able to take Dad to the, the NHRA Winter Nationals at the Drag Raceway in Pomona. This was something he'd wanted to attend as a young adult growing up, and even after we moved to California in the 70s, it took over 35 years before it actually happened. So I was really happy to be able to help take him to that event. It was also one of the loudest things I've ever heard. Dad was always proud of us, really no matter if it was my brothers and occasionally my music, our career accomplishments, whatever his grandsons were up to, really anything, he was proud of us. And last but not least, of course, um, I'll remember his abiding faith, his efforts to instill that in my brother and me, and hopefully we continue to live out the spirit of that. He always took his work seriously. Now his job has changed. I know he's taking his new duties just as seriously watching over us from the other side. I love you, Dad. And it was supposed to make it into the order there, but it didn't. Um, I'm going to continue some words. I'm, I may go a different... I will. A, a different direction, but some similar things. I didn't, uh, I didn't preview his before putting mine together, but... So over the past couple years, there were times that I, that I couldn't recognize my dad. Um, and there were times that I could. Uh, there were times I had to think back a few decades to recognize him, like when we came to visit last summer. And he stayed up late to discipline me for getting home late. <laughs> at age 50 at that time, yeah. Um, it took time and distance for me to realize that what was happening was his brain temporarily, temporarily went back 30-some years um, to when he had a, a high schooler who was trying to push his way out of the nest and, um, and occasionally lost track of time and got home later than he was supposed to. I'm sure that wasn't me. <laughs> but throughout this whole ordeal, there was something I could always recognize. So bear with me as I reference something that I don't remember ever talking about that we never talked about as I was growing up, but something that I think has enhanced my faith um, as a Christian, as a follower, follower of the life and teachings of Christ. So growing up, I remember, I, I remember, I don't remember ever learning about other faith traditions. Um, and, uh, but in, in our own sacred scripture, in the book of John, in the New Testament, it tells us, in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The light is the light of all people. So the Bible tells us that every part of creation was created by God, by the Word. And science tells us that all things in the universe have been created out of the same physical building blocks, out of uh, that, we're, that we and everything around us are all made out of the same stardust. And in our our faith tradition by the same hand and by the same word speaking it all into existence. The, the Hindu, Hindu tradition has a word that has become more widely used over, free, over recent years and that word is namaste. And it's used as a greeting and a farewell between two or more people. And namaste means the divine in me recognizes, blesses, and honors the divine in you. And the first time I heard this definition, I, 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 first I heard it used, I thought they were saying, oh, well, I am the divine and you are the divine. And I came to realize that's not what it's saying. It's saying that that same spark, that same bit of creation that spoke me into existence, spoke everyone and everything else into existence. And as we greet each other, we can recognize and honor something even when we don't know each other. Um, that uh, everybody we encounter uh, has been created uh, by God. And if I'm mindful of it, I can see something familiar in every person I meet, in every friend, in every stranger. We share this divine light that shines in the darkness. Back to my dad. This is a man who wore his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he wore his emotions right out there and open for everyone to see. I might know somebody else who might fit that description. Namaste, Dad. Um, and he's someone who was uncomfortable as a schoolboy. He told me of how he got bullied for something beyond his control. For me, elementary school was very hard. Those formative years impacted my self-esteem throughout all of the years that followed. Um, I'm more comfortable standing here than I often am one-on-one, -on -one, which surprises people sometimes. Um, but I, too, had some tough times, especially in elementary school. Namaste, Dad. He's someone who tried to express his thoughts and feelings with words that sometimes failed. Namaste. He's someone who, on occasion, got triggered by things his son would say and do, I'm sure there's nobody else out here who's ever been triggered by words or actions of a child or a parent. <laughs> Namaste. My dad was also someone who recognized my interests and worked hard to help me succeed, even as I worked through the process of trying to figure out what my things were. He coached my soccer teams for years. Sports wasn't really my thing. <laughs> but he helped me through it. And now I try to help my son through it, so which is good. I think it is his thing, though. Um, he occasionally played uh, his saxophone for us, as Brian mentioned, and he took us to concerts and shows, and 
Um, and, and listened to all sorts of music that clearly fed his soul and passed that along to us as well. Um, as music clearly became the direction I was heading, he was always there, right beside my mom, with tears welled up in his eyes. Um, I remember standing in this general space, although it looked different than singing a song at my high school graduation, and he was back there, and the tears were... And, um, but uh, okay, just lost my place. I'm sorry. Um, so, but yeah, I did mention wearing his heart on his sleeve, which well known for as M. I. Uh, as I began to learn and accept deeper truths about myself, he talked with me, sometimes formally, sometimes casually, and made it clear that he still recognized and blessed and honored the divine light in me. I'm a firm believer in the concept of it taking a village to raise a child. And he sacrificed and did his best to make sure that we were surrounded by positive friends and trusted adults trying to meet all of the eyes. And I will miss some. Um, you know, I have so many amazing memories from my youth. And as I begin, began to realize where my path was headed as I went into adulthood, I subconsciously removed myself from interactions with almost everybody I love. Not on purpose, but those insecurities I mentioned um, led me to cut ties to protect myself from possible rejection. But I've come to realize that not giving people the opportunity to reject me also took away the opportunity for them to show me how much they love me. So I too recognize and bless and honor the divine light we all share in common. Eight days after my dad passed, one of the most important friends of my youth tragically passed. And I'm haunted by the fact, by the thought that he may have died without knowing how important he was in my life. How much his friendship meant to me. How much his light inspired me and inspires who I am. And I vowed that I'm not going to do that again. Um, and so forgive me for taking this opportunity to share that. But I'm not going to... I, I, I have to do what I can to make that right. Um, because there are too many incredibly important, wonderful people. Um, so, as I said, although I could not always see my dad over the last few years, as the dementia took over his body, I could still see his unique yet familiar light. Likewise, he didn't always recognize me. Last summer, he came inside to tell my mom, that man out there is letting the little boy ride his bike in the street. <laughs> mom said, well, that, that man is the little boy's dad, so it's okay. And then she reminded him that the little boy was his grandson and that I was his son. 
When I came to California a couple months ago, um, at the beginning of February this year, it seemed that he didn't recognize me at all anymore. He slept most of the time, and when he did open his eyes, um, if our eyes happened to meet, he quickly closed them again. But he, I, he was looking for my mom. He was looking for somebody familiar. And I heard him tell her that he loved her many times in that week. The day before he passed, he opened his eyes and he reached his hand toward me. While holding his hand, I told him it was good to see him. And he looked in my eyes. I saw my dad. And I believe he saw me. And he said, I love you. And he drifted back to sleep. On his final day, in his final minutes, his breathing kept pausing. I was now the only one by his side for those few moments. And I managed to get him to start breathing again a few times and started to tell him some things as he stopped breathing for the last time. I told him not to worry about mom, that we'll take care of her, her family and the village that also saw her boys into adulthood. His heartbeat was still strong. I thanked him for always taking care of us and providing for us, and I told him I loved him. Heartbeat still strong. And then I read the 23rd Psalm. And as I finished reading, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. His heartbeat faded away. He looked so incredibly peaceful. This was the first time I had seen him looking like he was at peace in this whole ordeal. He had a peaceful glow about him. I recognized my dad, and I recognized and blessed and honored the divine in him. When we all agree with each other, and when we disagree with each other, we still share so much more in common than we could ever identify as being different from each other. So I pray that my dad's memory will be a blessing to each of you and to all of us. Namaste. Amen. Thank you guys for sharing your hearts. And I want to give opportunity if there's anybody who had a memory or something that you'd like to share about Larry, I can come to you. I know it's a little bit intimidating to come up here, but is there anybody that would like to, to share anything at all? Yeah, all right, I'll come to you, Gwen. Thank you. Well, I'm going to miss Larry very much. From the time I came to Bridge, which is, I don't even know how long, but it's been wonderful. And we've always sat in the same pew. And Larry was always so kind to me. He'd greet me, bring me special magazines that he thought I might enjoy, and was just a, a swell fellow and always very respectful. He went out of his way to take me lots of places that I couldn't drive to, up to Millie's, that I couldn't park and all that. He and Connie were just have been very good to me. And I'll tell you one thing. He could bake the best carrot cake you ever ate. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Anybody else? 
Yeah, please, I'll come over to you here. Hi, I'm lucky to call Larry family, not by blood, but through love. And the word that came through a lot in the eulogy was blessing. And that's what I will remember about Larry. I was lucky to spend many Thanksgivings with him. And he gave the best blessings and brought a lot of healing and love and God's spirit through to our family. And so I just want to thank Brian, especially for bringing him into our lives. And to reiterate that, Connie, we are still here for you and we love you. Is there anybody else? Yeah. The only way that I've known Larry and Connie is through our church and through all the different activities that we've done. But there's a few things that just I can't even, every time I see the name Larry or look at his face, I think of him as wanting to be the helper. I want to do everything. And... Uh, I remember back when we were greeting when the church, the this new facility here, the prevented, rented gate, whatever. Anyway, Larry would stand at the door and he would say, "I'm going to go out in the parking lot and I'm going to help people walk in that that are struggling." And that was the heart that he had. He wanted to be such. A, he always wanted to do something. I remember after Sunday services, he would stand in the aisle here and he would wait and wait until he had a chance to go up and talk to to Pastor Danny and tell him how wonderful he thought this was and then afterwards he would come out and he would tell me the same things and he just was appreciative he 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 loved people and um he just wanted to look around and say what else can I do and I miss that about him I really do and he just would wait on Connie and Connie liked to visit more than he did and <laughs> and he would pace back and forth And but there are just so many fun and good things about him that we can all remember thank you yeah alright So, when all the times I get to see my grandpa, I always think of him as a nice person that I get to hang out with and get to share stories with. And some of those stories were pretty funny. Some of them were emotional. I've just always remembered my grandpa as someone who I love. Oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm sure that there are more of you that have something to share, but I think I'd like to end on that one because that was beautiful and appreciate your courage to share about your, your grandfather. And I also wanted to tell you that um, directly following this time, we're going to have more time to eat together and to fellowship together and, and tell these stories, tell them to the family, tell them to one another. Um, thank you again. I'd like to invite Joe to come up and um, I think probably... There's a lot of people who would have Gwen's story about how um, Larry really went out of his way to help and to encourage. And, and Joe, I think you were on top on that list. He was one who was a huge fan of all that you do. And uh, so it's an honor to have you play for us today. I appreciate you mentioning that because I was going to say that uh, Larry was... 
exceptionally supportive of me personally. I appreciate uh, Connie and the Cook family for allowing me to be a part of his memorial today. Larry was a wonderful person, and he will be missed. Thank you.
such thing as broken. All the old will be made new, and the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only scars in Joe, beautiful, beautiful song, Connie. I know you chose that song, and what an amazing song. Uh, it really just depicts the, the love of God, the willingness of Jesus to go the distance for us. Um, I have the privilege of sharing a few words about Larry and, and bringing this service kind of to a, a close here, and maybe bring us to a place of reflection, thinking about his life and how his life might relate with ours. And as I was thinking about him, I realized that I have quite a history with Larry that, you know, you take things for granted. You don't realize how much time that you spend with somebody and how much time that you've known someone. And so my first memory, and I don't even know um, how this happened, but I was just sitting there thinking, the first time I remember Larry, and I think, Greg, you were there too, is when my older brother was playing football. And I think you, your dad had you lugging a bunch of sound equipment, and he was lugging sound equipment, and there was setup and, and cables everywhere and he he brought the PA for the football team and then he announced the game. Am I making this up or is that a real memory? Okay, thank you. And, and I just, just, I remember that. You know, I remember like, I just, and then I came to church and the same guy who was doing the sound there was doing the sound here. So then fast forward I don't know, a decade plus, I'm working here at the church and and through a series of events, I find myself wearing, you know, these big shoes of trying to lead the church. And one of the things that um, I would do every Sunday, I'd come early and it was a different building at the time. There was a kind of a crow's nest up there of, of sound equipment and all things. And I want you to know that that area belonged to Larry Cook. That was his spot. There were his tools. There were his um, little placard things that, you know, the, the stamp out things that you label stuff with. Um, and I remember I walked into that domain a little bit sheepishly the first time because when you're in your 20s, you know everything. And, and I knew something about sound and he knew something about sound and we apparently knew two different things about sound <laughs> and so that started this like uh, relationship with with Larry where I would slip up there right around um, I don't know what time it was but I, I know it was early because you had to come early on Sunday with that sound system because what it required was probably about an hour's worth of troubleshooting and and every week it was the same trouble and I don't know what, how it would happen but it was like the um, you know those the, when you watch the old movies about the, the operator who would have different things they would plug into to do different calls. So there was one of those down here. And for some reason, someone would always mess with it. I, I don't know who or what, but he would be up there trying to control something here, but then it was messed up down there. And so, so inevitably, you would hear, and, and those of you who were around in those days remember the, distinctly the sound of the steps, because there was creaking in those steps. Like as you walk down there, there's a distinct sound, and he would walk down and he would... And everything eventually would get pulled out and then replugged in. 
Um, and, and so we would go through this process and then there would be also these phantom squeaks and hums and buzzes and I don't know where they came from but he knew the frequency and where those things all lived so he would do just, just, just a minute and then meantime um, the, the band would be up here saying can I get a little more of this or a little more of that he would just hold your horses you know and, and he would be fixing things and, and doing stuff and then he would somehow right around I think our service started at 10.30 right around 10.27 I think everything would just be ready to go. And, and, and so I just would go up there and, and then, you know, of course, like I'm saying in, in my 20s, thinking, hey, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? You know, and, and thinking like maybe I knew a better way. And I remember him at one point saying, why don't you do your job and let me do mine? <laughs> Does that sound like Larry? Does that sound like your dad? Yeah. And, and, and so, um, so I said, okay, point taken. And uh, and so we had that kind of, we had mileage, we had a lot of relationship together so that didn't break anything. And, and then, but I remember at one point, you know, we wanted to go in a different direction with some equipment, and so it was a long story. But I said to him, I said, Larry, what would you think about finding a new ministry? And, and he goes, I, I didn't know if it was going to be a knockdown drag out at that point. And he looked at me and said, finally... <laughs> Like, what do you mean finally he's all, well, you're letting me off the hook. Like, he was ready to do something new. And, and, and I thought about that moment. It was such a relief to him and a relief to me. And I was sitting there thinking that, you know, I needed to allow him to keep doing it, but we want to go in this different direction. And the bottom line is this. His finally really gave me illustration or insight into his character. He was a good soldier. He was going to do to the best of his ability, whatever the last thing that was asked of him, and he was not going to deviate. So that was his pattern. If he was asked to do it, he was going to give it his all. If it was a broken system, he would do the best to fix it. He would work within the parameters that he was given, but he wasn't going to complain. He was going to get it done, and there was nothing that was going to stop him. But if you, if you relieved him of his duty, he was going to do the next thing, and that's exactly what he did. The next thing, he, he got involved with teaching Sunday school, and now he had a new pattern. So once a month, he would teach Sunday school. He, he and Connie together would teach and and it's so strange to see you sitting there because you belong right over there and I know it's probably odd for you too but but um they would sit right in this same area and, and they would take notes and listen and on the Sundays that they weren't teaching. And as, as my mom already said, he would, he would hover right around this area. So, so after the service, you know, there was ministry or whatever would take place and he would patiently wait. And then he, we would make eye contact and then he would beeline it. And when he would beeline it to me, he would give me encouragement, feedback, update on the grapefruit tree, everything that was going on with you guys. And and um, and it would be like this moment. And and I got to say, like there were times where his encouragement would just be so, like his eyes would be welled with tears, and he would just say, uh, "Great, just great." You know, there were other times where he would give feedback that he maybe didn't care for something that was said. And and you know what? All of it is good and okay. And on those times when it was like. And, and this, these are moments to be honest, right? This is what we're saying. We're here at Memorial Service. There were times in my humanity where I didn't want to hear about the grapefruit tree right after I preached. But there is a moment right now where I miss hearing about the grapefruit tree. That as, as, as you don't have the privilege that you had before, the things that you take for granted. And, and so during those um, last couple of years... Larry would still follow his pattern. 
that he would come to church, he would sit there, he would listen, he would carry both he and Connie's Bibles. They had big, they do, big Bibles, right? Carry those things. And, and just politely wait. And after he was done waiting, he would come. And as the year progressed, as time progresses, you know, his disease really affected him rapidly. He would still follow his pattern as a good soldier. He would come. And sometimes he wouldn't have words anymore. He would just have emotion and, and, and gestures, but he would still follow that pattern. There was um, just a beauty to it and something that I'm deeply grateful for. He was a faithful man. Um, I, I thought of one of the last moments. I had two memories of being with him that illustrate the decline, but also um, the beauty of, of Christ alive in Larry. There was literally, and I won't go into the whole story, but in amidst everything that we're experiencing with restrictions regarding COVID, there was literally a miracle that enabled me to be with him in the hospital just for a moment. And I, a favor was called in that allowed, uh, not, not, I didn't have any clout there, somebody else did, and they walked me in, and, and we had just a short, like they said, like, man, you got two minutes to say your prayer, or five minutes to get in and get out. And, um, and so I remember just sitting there and I, I looked at that face, you know, that face that was so full of the love of Christ, so full of, of, of Jesus. And, um, and we had a moment to pray. And then there again, Connie, when you called me and we showed up at the house and had that time by his bedside. And um, of, of all these things that, that I'm saying um, in these memories, I remember walking away just broken at the the frailty and the depravity that sin has brought into the world, the, the things that we have to struggle with like disease, like dementia, and realizing the, the loss of memories. And then as I was preparing this, I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit just saying to me that Larry may have lost some memories, but I never forgot him. He was never forgotten. He may have forgotten some things. Connie, you made the statement that one thing he didn't forget was church. You know, It was your motivator to get him to do stuff, right? He wasn't too motivated to do much, but you could get him to come to church and sit in that seat and follow his pattern. He may have forgotten things, but God never forgot him. God's not forgotten a single one of us, not in our deepest, darkest moments of struggle. That the, the Psalms tell us in Psalm 139 that his thoughts towards us outnumber the sands on the seashore. God doesn't play favorites. That for each and every one of us in this room, his thoughts towards us in our best moments and in our worst moments, in our moments of strength and in our moments of weakness, we are not forgotten. That he is with us. In fact, that um, the Psalm, the 23rd Psalm that you referenced, Greg, that, that he um, is with us all the days of our lives, that his mercy follows us, that there's never a moment of loneliness. There's never, we experience loneliness, but we're not alone. There's never a moment of being forgotten. And so I know Larry, the sound man and the announcer at the game. I know Larry, the Sunday school teacher and the announcer after the, after the Sunday sermon. He would give a good commentary. Um, I, I know Larry in some exciting times of celebration. You know, the patterns that he followed were predictable. You could set a clock by his patterns, the times that you go on vacation, where you go, and the times that you would be here. He was a good soldier. There's a, there's a, a verse of scripture that speaks to this faithfulness that we're charged with. And, and in, we were reading it in our men's group um, on Friday morning. And when I read it, I thought of Larry. 
Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Larry was given good gifts from God. He guarded them. He followed the patterns of the, of the word of God. And that's what made him predictable. That's what made him stable. That's what made him who he is. And I'm, I'll miss that in him. But if, if I was reflecting back on his legacy and sharing with you some things that we might think about in light of who he was, that's the call to be faithful. Um, Brian, you mentioned his work ethic and didn't surprise me at all. Um, the, the amount of time and effort and excellence that he put into all that he did. May we be the same, not just in the things that we have to do with our hands, but in our life with Christ, that we would be faithful as God has been incredibly faithful to us. Um, it's been mentioned that Larry was a servant. When Jesus was talking to, to his disciples, um, there was some argument over who was going to be the greatest. And these guys are disgusted at the whole conversation because really, truthfully, probably they all wish they would have asked if they could be the greatest. But the reality was Jesus says it's not like that in the kingdom. Our authority isn't about lording it over others. In fact, these are Jesus' words. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you would be your servant. I think the greatness of Larry's life came in his willingness to be that, to be a servant. Finally, the, the last thing that I would say about his legacy and his character that we could reflect on for our, ourselves is that he was a true believer. He believed in Jesus. He believed in, in who um, God is and he lived accordingly. There's a verse in Hebrews that I'm going to read to you. Um, church, as Connie said to me, was something he never forgot. It was a key part of his pattern. Not just meeting together in four walls here, but what happens here. The teaching of God's word, the fellowship of the brethren, the breaking of bread, the worship of God. These were very important parts of his life. In Hebrews 10.23 it says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. See, the, the worship that we do here isn't, isn't um, sacrificial like it was in the Old Testament where there was many rituals and rules that were involved. That there's a freedom in the worship that we have through Jesus and the grace that God's given us. And the Hebrews speaks to it by this new and living way he opened to us through the blood of Jesus. Through the curtain that is, through His flesh, Jesus' flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is what it calls us to do. Let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23 says, Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Larry was one who was holding on tight to what he believed, held fast to his beliefs. But this verse, I think, was very important to him. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. There's already been testimony of that among you all. In this one, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
man, he would have loved this. He would have loved to see you leading in hymns. He would have loved the, the choral, the choir that will, will come when, when I finally finish going on and on and on like a pastor does. Um, he would have loved that because it was us doing what the Bible says to do. It was us gathering together and worshiping Jesus, the center of our worship, the reason for our fellowship, the reason that we live and breathe and have our being. So Larry was faithful, and Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful to each and every one of us. Um, I think I probably share the same scripture on nearly every memorial service I have the privilege of sharing in, but it, it's so uh, just alive in my heart when I think of Jesus preparing his very own disciples for um, his last moments on the earth. And he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, that, that there was, there's moments where for us our hearts are troubled. That, I mean, look at the world. Look at the madness that we're experiencing. And, but don't let your hearts be troubled, he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house there are many mansions or many rooms. And, and if it weren't so, I would have told you that I'm coming back to take you with me. That I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also this stuff that we're saying and, and we're encouraging one another in isn't just fancy words to make us feel better. These are the words of Jesus, the faithful one, who says, I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, you get to be also. I'll be the first to say there's a lot of mystery surrounding um, heaven. We're not entirely sure. We know it's better than this, right? We know that there's fullness of joy. We know that, that there's imagery in Scripture. But, but all that aside... We know some things about heaven, but the thing that's most important to me, and I, I would hope that's important to you, is that Jesus is there and we'll know him face to face as we should, and he'll know us as we are intended to be known. It is a real relationship. It isn't a, a list of rules and regulations and things that you have to do to make sure that you make it into those pearly gates or that you have a good reason once you get in. It's belief in Jesus. And that's where Jesus continues the conversation with his disciples. And they say, um, wait a minute. And it's Thomas, you know, good old Thomas. And he says, we don't, we don't know the way. And we don't really know where you're going and how we're going to get there. And these are Jesus' famous words. They're on t-shirts and Christian bumper stickers all over the place. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through me. He was giving the directions, and he was giving the instructions. And it's not something to be overcomplicated, and it's not something to, to, um, to have to really overthink, but it's something that we experience and we know and we believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that there is a God who, who loved Larry enough to find him, to reach out, to reach out with, with his love, and Larry responded and that's why I believe he was faithful, he was a servant, and he was a believer. And so I've talked long enough. Um, I want to give us a moment to reflect. And, and um, if I could, in, invite the, the choir to come, if that would be okay, if you all would like to make your way up here. And as they're making their way, I would invite you to close your eyes and pretend like they're not walking up here right now. Um, but, but really to have a moment. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about a memorial service is that these are moments where we're thinking about things and where our, our thoughts are, are authentic, that we're not having to fake it because we're realizing there are some important things to think about in our lives. And um, the song that they'll sing in just a moment it comes from a psalm that says to be still and know that I'm God. And it's my heart's desire for everybody in the room that you would know the goodness of God. 
and that you would find stillness in the midst of a... You're, you're fine. You're not blocking me. It's good. Um, yeah, that you would find um, stillness and that you would find relationship with, uh, with, with Jesus. And so I'd like to pray for you for a moment and then um, we'll take a moment quiet and then when the time's right, you're going to hear a beautiful choir sing. Lord, I want to ask you for your presence, Lord, to, to give us that space to be still and know that you're God. The world has a lot of chaos. There's a lot of traffic everywhere, whether it's in our thinking or in our physical world. But we have this moment in this place where we gather for the reason of worship toward to you and fellowship with one another. Larry taught us this, the importance of it. He, he created a life with a pattern that had this in the center of it. So much so that even in the midst of a, of a, a, a difficult disease that took his memory, this was never forgotten. You are never forgotten and you never forgot him. And there's not a forgotten person in this room. You're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. And so we call upon you. And we remember the words that you said, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. We remember the words that you said with such clarity and simplicity that you so love the world and that whoever believes in you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And Larry's experiencing that everlasting eternal life with you in your presence. Thank you, God. Search our hearts, Lord, and, and be with us now, God, as we think about ways that we might be more faithful to you, that we might be those that serve well, and God, that we might be those who believe. We thank you in the name of Jesus. I, um, when mom was asking me, you know, about songs or music, and I said, why not a choir? And I could put out and see, you know, what volunteers might show up. And um, this amazing cross-section of my life over the last few years, um, 30 years, and, um, and, uh, and it's, it's humbling and it's healing. This piece that says, be still, and... Um, I did it with my church choir in Denver that I lead, and and uh, and it was the day before I was flying out here um, to say goodbye to my dad. And as we rehearsed it beforehand, I couldn't make it through. Um, just and uh, we made it through, and it was just—it's one of those things where sometimes we need to hear something. More than once, I, every parent out there knows what I'm talking about. It's time to get into jammies. It's time to get it. And it was, uh, and it spoke to me so much because God's saying, be still. Yeah, but be still. Be still. Be still.
On behalf of the Cook family, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here to celebrate Larry's life. And um, I want to let you know, too, that the celebration goes on, and we have a lot of food. And I know the family would love it if each and every one of you stayed and had a bite to eat and continued sharing um, stories and celebrating his life. I'd, I'd love to bless you as you're on your way. And um, if you would, if you're able to, to stand. Um, Lord, I, I bless each one. Father, I thank you for your goodness in our lives. Jesus, I thank you for your love for us. That isn't just with words, but with action, the sacrificial love that you've given us for all of eternity. We're grateful for it. We're grateful for our time with Larry. Lord, we'll miss him, but we thank you that he's with you. And now, God, I pray over each one that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you'd make your face shine about them, that you'd be gracious to them, and that you'd give them your peace. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.